Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, I'm fired up today. Yeah, people are, uh, they want your take on um, Pat Shermer going for two down eight, which, uh, real, I don't know why. Well, I'm not even, I'm just fired up. I'm just angry for a lot of Okay, reasons. why are you angry? But, so last night, a couple of controversial things happened. Uh, first of all, you spoiled making a murderer in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had to delete your comment. Sorry. Yeah, if I, uh, I'm sorry. Like, if there's an election in a few weeks, I won't tell you who's the winner. Uh, just in case you want to like DVR I mean, it the next a day. Documentary about like, it's yeah. it's a news event that yeah. I saw on my Twitter feed. The only reason I didn't watch the documentary or Google like the Wikipedia page, yeah. I knew what happened without seeking it out, just for my own Twitter. Like, you would know, and, and, and therefore, because you already knew, you didn't want to watch the show, and so you decided. I thought everyone knew. Know That's why I thought it was weird. I also thought you had finished it based on like what you had said. I thought you had watched. Yeah, it. I was up to episode eight. I still haven't seen the last two episodes. I'm less motivated now. By uh, the way, and then another crazy thing happened. I don't want to say what I had said. It is possible I'm wrong. I'm just guessing based on what I thought I saw on Twitter, which also could be old news. So it's it's even possible. I'm trying really hard to avoid spoilers here. I will just say that while watching, I kept thinking like, there's not going to be any huge breaks in the mm-hmm. story because if there were, I would have heard about them. Was sort of my assumption yes. coming into season yes, two. Which is correct. But then, but then throughout the first eight episodes, they continuously showed, um, you know, top stories on Access Hollywood and Doctor Phil and NBC Morning News or whatever about the story, and I hadn't seen any of those interim things, so I was like, oh, I guess I haven't been paying attention well, to these Well, can things. I count Because I think um, we did a podcast together about Ming and Murder 1, and they had, like, basically right afterwards announced, like, we're going to do Ming and Murder 2. So the, 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 the movie, the show exists with, without any, you know, any uh, guarantee of anything happening. They just said they would do it again because it was just a cash grab for a season two. It could have been way less than this. There could have been no news, and they still would have pumped out some garbage, you know? Yeah, there, there's a lot of news. The first eight episodes are really good. Um, can't tell you about the final two episodes yet. But uh, then the next thing that happened is in AYFFL, my longtime fantasy league that's been going around since in its current form since 2003 and really dates back to high okay. school for me, uh, we had a, a controversial uh, trade last night. Uh, two people in the league cheated. Oh, my God. Or violated the rules. Oh, no. They violated the rules. Let's not say now, cheat I've because that implies I've been people intent. in your league, multiple people, that there's only one person yeah. who knows the rules because they're incredibly complicated, and that's you. 
Multiple yeah, people have told me. The rules are exactly one page. Yeah. That, and there's like. Well, that's the running the running joke in this league is, yeah, that is really complicated. Joke. But I, the rules page I is. I know, like, offhand, five people who there's no way they know, they, like, spend the time to, like, know all the rules of this league. Yeah, but but again, the rules the rules in this league is actually one page long. I can send you the document. It's it's much shorter than, like, the rules cap, in our league so elites, for example. Tra- like, it's, it's the most complicated fantasy football league I know of. Again, it it is one page long. It is less complicated yeah, than but the league font is for four. sure. It's the least complicated. It is the least complicated fantasy football league I'm in, actually. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah. So, what was the trade? Well, basically, what happened is, and, and the biggest scandal is that so I stepped down as commissioner this year, and I became assistant commissioner. So, a longtime friend of mine, who now officially is commissioner of the league, although he's a rather lazy commissioner and he forces his assistant to the commissioner which is me to do a lot of the work yeah you are the Dwight Schrute I didn't know you weren't the commissioner but I, I could see you yeah. as the Dwight Schrute I, I've tried to make myself the Dwight Schrute yeah I've tried to step down so basically Thursday night football really ruins the ability to make trades because it locks a bunch of guys in for the week on Thursday yes right yeah and so he messaged me on either Thursday night or Friday I forget and he said hey can I make a trade uh, you know can I make like a f-? he told me about a four-player trade but one of the players involved played Thursday night so I said, no, you cannot make that trade, unfortunately. One of the guys played Thursday night. You have to wait and make that entire trade next week. And you and I actually had a similar scenario in League of Leagues where we were trying to pull a three-way yeah. trade, but one of the guys in the trade was Demarius Thomas. Right, who had played. It, it, it right? yeah, messed things up. Yeah, and so we had like a whole three pers- a three-way multi-sport massive trade that the whole thing fell apart. So anyways, one of the rules in our league are, is you cannot have any future consideration in a trade. You cannot have any secret consideration in a trade. That means when you make a trade, the entirety of the trade must be made at the same time, and the entirety of the trade must be publicized to the entire league. Mm-hmm. You can't agree to trade other players later. You I'd can't agree to do any favors for each other on the side. Unwritten, but it makes sense to have it as spelled out like this. And you're one page. So I'm glad you say this because so basically, so to make a long story short, the same two guys ended up making a trade on Saturday night or Thursday, some point before Sunday, for just two players. And it was a trade that didn't make a lot of sense on its face, but whatever, they made that trade. And then yesterday afternoon, they sent through another trade of Philip Lindsay for Corey Davis, straight up. Philip Lindsay, who of course played on Thursday night, is now the sole running back in Denver because Royce Freeman's injured uh, for Corey Davis, who's like a garbage receiver who's worthless. So immediately it became apparent to me, well, this was the other two guys that was supposed to be in the original trade. They couldn't send it through because he had played on Thursday, so they agreed to do the trade in two parts which is a violation of the rules. So I brought that up, and um, the, the two trade people insisted that they hadn't broken any rules. They said, yeah, you know, we had a discussion, but all along it was two completely separate trades. There was no binding that, that we'd both have to do both parts or anything like that. Right, and like so if Lindsay got injured, it's, and it's ins- not like, there was nothing they could have done. Yeah, well, so then that, that's what he said. Oh, we didn't have to do it, you know, whatever. So they insisted it was two separate trades. And then to exculpate themselves... They decided, um, once we challenged them to do so, to share the conversation that they had between each other about the trade, okay. right? I like the transparency and un- here. And unfortunately for them, and to be fair, the, uh, the, the person who shared the chat said, uh-oh, I'm, I, I think you're right. I broke the rules. And then he sent the chat. And in the chat, he says, let's, do, let's trade Davis and Williams for Lindsey and Shady. And the other guy says, okay. And then the other guy says, ask Chester if it's allowed because Lindsey played it already. And, the, and then the other guy says, yes, I'll ask him, ugh, we can't. And then the other guy says, I figured. And then he says, why don't we do one part now and one part Monday night? Wait, so basically you said, hey, guys, did you commit the murder? And they're like, no. And then we're like, hey, can I see the documents where yeah. you're planning the murder? And they're like, hold on, hold on it gets one better. second. Wait, it gets better, on, it gets better. Wait, I, found, yeah. I found the part where exactly after we told you, you told us we couldn't murder, we, we planned the murder for next week. 
<laughs> it makes no sense. It gets yeah. even better. So so then he says, okay, so we are trading Shady for Williams now and Lindsay for Davis on Tuesday. Why would they the send guess, you this? Yeah, and then he says, and then he says, okay, confirmed. I would have Tom Brady. <laughs> I would have Tom Brady'd my phone, deleted the whole thing. Yeah, I'm like sorry. Well, so I do respect the fact that, they... that he was honest about the fact that he did cheat uh, eventually. But so the the one so the one person was honest and shared the conversation and admitted his fault and and so the whole trade is going to be reversed. Fortunately, none of the players in the trade were started. They were all on everybody's bench all week, so it doesn't affect any scores. But the other guy who was sort of marginally involved in the chat the whole time because he was at the Justin Timberlake concert at Madison Square Garden yesterday, he um he he was he chimes in. He says, "Listen, guys, I'm very drunk. I'm surrounded by like tons of 14 year old girls. I can't concentrate on this right now." But when he found out that his co partner had shared the chat and it admitted that they had cheated and that everything was going to be reversed, he went ballistic and he said that he was quitting the league altogether. <laughs> what? But he should be only mad at at his idiotic, uh, you know, but honest. A liar of a of a co-owner. No, his co-owner was honest. Well, they cheated intentionally. Cheated. <laughs> well, so you know, whatever. They argue that they didn't. They didn't know that they're violating the rule. You know, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, I was all fired up about all these things. And then Monday night, uh, Pat Shermer decides to go for two, down fourteen late in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Which uh, I have to confess, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Doug Peterson and the Eagles were down by 14 to the Vikings uh, in the fourth quarter, and they did the exact same thing. And as they and they converted the two, and as they were doing it, I was completely flabbergasted. This did not make any sense to me because on its face, it seems a little bit confusing. While you're going for two, you risk that you miss it, and then you're down eight, and then you're forced to go for two the second time just to get back where you would have in the first place. So I understand, you know, I don't fault somebody for not understanding it on its face because I was in the same boat. And then at the time, people I follow on Twitter, and then there were articles about it, I quickly discovered that not only should you do this, it is obvious you should do this, and you know, sm- smarter football fans, stats guys, analytical guys, et cetera, have been writing about this for 15 years. And there's articles you can find from 2017, from 2016. This is not a new idea. It's just that it had taken a smarter coach like Doug Peterson and a more secure coach, because he just won the Super Bowl, to actually do it. And he did it two weeks ago. It was a huge news story at the time. Presumably every NFL team just found out about it if they didn't already. And so when Pat Shermer was in the same scenario last night, he decided to make the exact same decision. And again, it is the obviously correct decision. Now, the announcers on Monday Night Football, Joe Tessitore, uh, Jason Witten, and Booger McFarlane, and we've discussed them a little bit on this podcast, just, right? you know, literally the A-team. Can't get better. The ESPN has found their, their yeah. trio so, of the future. Yeah. So I, I am not a fan of Witten, I've said. Tessitore is whatever, blah. I was a big Booger McFarland defender until last night. Well, he did brag about peeing himself last night. He said he would. Yes, that was that was yeah. great. <laughs> he's also blocking. He added entertainment. He's like blocking the field for half the. His like giant mechanism. Yeah. If people don't know what we're talking about, he, he cannot walk. He, yeah. Well, maybe that's why he's peeing himself because he literally he, can't he's walk. He's on like a crate, and then he sits there, and then his TV yeah. is so big, <laughs> the TV blocks like the view for like entire half of the field, basically. Yes. It's uh, hilarious. So um, so anyway, so the three of them went nuts on this decision, and they say there must be something. The kicker must be injured. There's no other reason this could possibly happen. And then for the next two minutes, they proceed to repeatedly blame Pat Shermer for this decision as costing his team the game. Um, again, this is something – this is not a new story to anybody who follows the NFL. It happened literally two weeks ago, and there was significant discussion at the time about how it's the right thing to do. If one or even two or even all three of the announcers want to say, I don't care about statistics, I don't care about evidence – want to be quote-unquote old-school guys, that's fine. What's not fine is for the broadcast to not even acknowledge the alternative side. 
acknowledge the reality, and then try and explain it right. away. They didn't even do that. Finally, 20 minutes later, they did. Finally, by the time we got to SportsCenter, and I watched SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt just to see, and they discussed it, and they point out how it's obviously the correct decision. Booger McFarlane came on and said, oh, I understand the analytics, but I don't really care about it, Like, which is just an idiotic thing to say. Um, but I realize there are people who don't understand it, so I want to walk through very basically why it's the right decision. So can we do that, Keith? Yeah, well, I want to. I haven't really studied the numbers, uh, so why don't you walk through okay. the, the decision here? Okay. So let's so let's walk through it right now. So first of all, you're down two touchdowns late in the fourth yeah. quarter. So the assumption is that you are going to score two touchdowns and the other team's not going to score any points, right? Well, well you're, yeah. I mean, if, if you're giving up more points, it's If irrelevant. anything else happens, the game's over. Yeah. If they score another touchdown, if you don't score two touchdowns, so it's over. So the options are that you kick an extra point both times and you go to overtime or you go for two. So those are the options. So let's start with the option of kicking the extra point. Now, extra points uh, in the last four years, since we expanded out to the 33-yard extra point, converted 94% of the time. So you have a 94% chance of hitting the first extra point, a 94% chance of hitting the second extra point. That's a combined chance of 88%. So if you go for one both times, you have an 88% chance of converting it. And if you do that, now you're going to overtime. Uh the giant. If the game goes to overtime, the Giants, because they're one and five, they need a win, so a tie cannot help them. So there's about an eight percent chance of a tie. So you take that away, and then if there's not a tie in the remaining ninety-two percent of that, a team historically, and I looked all the way back to the NFL, all the way back as far as a, a Pro Football Reference has information, a team that's between a six and seven-point underdog when a game goes to overtime wins forty-one percent of the time. So if you take the 41%, the 92%, the 94%, the 94%, the total chance that the Giants have of winning the football game if they kick an extra point both times is 33%. But forget about all that. I'm going to make the numbers super simple, and I'm going to give a million benefits of the doubt in favor of kicking one. Okay. So for argument's sake, even though this is not the case, for argument's sake, let's pretend that you have a 50-50 chance of winning the game if you kick, if you, if you go okay. for one. In other words... Let's pretend, let's just, for, as I said, you have a 94% chance of, of successfully getting a one-point conversion. Even the best kicker in the world, Justin Tucker, who's never missed in his career, he obviously missed one the day before, costing his team the game. Um, and you have a 48% chance of converting a two-point conversion. But to make the numbers easy, 94 and 48 are confusing numbers. Let's just make it 50 and 100, all right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the extra point automatically, and I'm going to give you a 50-50 shot at the two-point okay. two conversion. Yeah. Good? Okay, we're doing that. Also further, even though, as I said, there's a chance of a tie, and even though, as I said, the Giants do not have a 50% chance of winning as they go to overtime because they're still the underdog, let's forget about all that. Let's assume, for argument's sake, the Giants have a 50-50 shot of winning the game if it goes to overtime, there's no chance of a tie, and they have a 100% chance of kicking the extra points. So let's assume, for argument's sake, that their actual chance of winning the game, if they kick at one point or both times, is 50%, because they're guaranteed to get hit both, and they have a 50% chance in overtime, right? So it's actually 33 but we're going to make it easy. Let's assume it's 50. Fine. So you have a 50% chance of winning the game if you kick an extra point. So what is your percent chance of winning the game if you go for two? So you go for two, and what happens? You either make it or you miss it. If And we said it's 50-50, right? So if you make it, 50% of the time you make it, now you're down by six points. On your second touchdown, of course, you're going to go for one, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't need to go for two at that point. So you go for one the second time. You make the one because we said we're, uh, we're hypothetically saying it's 100% chance to make one to make the numbers easy. So that means that if you go for two, 50% of the time you win the game. Right. Right? So if you go for two and make it, you win the game. That's 50% of the time. As we said, if you go for one, you have 50% of the chance of winning. But what happens to 50% of the chance where you miss? Well, now on your second touchdown, what do you do? Now you have to go for two because you're down 20 right. to 12. And again, there's a 50-50 chance. 
So 50% of the chance you make it, which means now you're tied at 20 well, to 20. Well, really, like a 40 And 50% of the chance, chance you miss. But yeah. Yeah, but we're just doing 1,500 just to make the numbers okay. easier. And then, so you have a 50% chance of making it, which means now it's tied 20-20, just as it was if you kicked the one point both mm-hmm. times. You have the 50% chance of missing, which means you lose 20 to 18. So once again, if you go for two the first time, in total, you have a 50% chance of winning the game, a 25% chance of losing the game, and a 25% chance of the game going to overtime. Mm-hmm. Versus the other way, you have a 100% chance of the game going to overtime. So removing the overtime, removing the 50-50... By going for two, you have a two and three chance of winning the game. In total, if we divide the 50% overtime and you know half of those are wins, half of those are losses, again, ignoring a tie, that means that the total chance you have of winning the game by going for two is 62.5 okay. versus by going for one, it's mm-hmm. 50. So you increase your chance by 12.5% overall. All right. Breaking news, Eli Apple traded have I explained the that? Have I explained yeah, that? Yeah, it, so makes, it sense. makes sense. It makes sense. It's a little dry. I think we got to get into yeah. uh, what we're doing this week. It's a little dry, but it's not because you have all these idiots. And then, I mean, I was looking on Facebook to see people's conversations, and I wasn't oh, waiting in because it's not uh, worth dealing yeah, no, with idiots. It's a mistake. You made a mistake by doing that. But I was just reading I it with Schadenfreude. Like, like, I mean, uh, like, you know, Facebook search, like uh, QAnon or something <laughs> before that. I saw one person, and these are all friends of mine. These are people I know. Like, these are people who, like, drive cars and have par- and have mm, children so not and, me. like, vote okay, in elections. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one guy says, he's, um, w- w- one guy explains it, and he's like, it's simple stat. It's simple math. And the other guy says, it's not math. It's statistics. Statistics and math are two oh, different subjects. Deep. <laughs> so these are the morons we're dealing with. And again, you're not a moron to think on its face that it's a wrong decision or a confusing decision. Because that's what I thought at first when the Eagles did it two weeks ago. But once you break down the numbers, again, 50% chance you win the game outright. And 50% chance you still have another chance. And 50% of that chance you tie and go back to square one. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just obvious. It's you know it's it's you dramatic and that Pat Shermer did not explain the numbers exactly in his post game press conference. What he said is we increase our chances to win the game by fifty percent. That's not exactly correct. He increases his chance to win the game by twelve. I'm going to really like him more than what he meant to than, uh, McAdoo at this point. Just just by what he did last night. Well, well, but here's the thing: his the play call itself on the play was probably well. A bad the play call. call all night was problematic, but the uh, just just the yeah. idea that he has so like, he's been some a very bad play is, caller uh, was good. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's a very bad play caller, but at least the fact that he's thinking about, like, that he acknowledges reality. Again, it's not an opinion whether going for two is right or wrong. It is objectively the correct thing to do if your goal is to win the football I game. think coaches like to do, uh, like, stay below the radar and not do things that get noticed because... Oh, look- for sure. The whole conversation was about Pat Shammer going for two. And even though ESPN knows that it's the correct decision and acknowledge it explicitly, uh, repeatedly on SportsCenter... All night long, that was the conversation. And when you go on ESPN.com right now, on the homepage, it's one of the top articles. And if you listen to Around the Horn or PTI or any of those stupid shows today, I'm sure that you're going to have like Bill Plaschke and these morons talking yeah. about and it also. And if you get it right and, so, and then you go 5-11 and 11 anyway, the story isn't, well, he's a gambler. You know, the story is that you went 5-11. and 11. But if you get it wrong, it's like he went 5-11 and 11 and he's dumb. Um, yeah, the Eagles literally did it and, and made it two weeks ago, and it wasn't talked about at all on Monday Night Football by people who you would think would be familiar with what happened two weeks before in the sport which they're announcing. Uh-huh. And it's – I mean, this is a frustration in general. I mean, like, uh, you've been watching the baseball playoffs, right? Uh, yeah. Who hates baseball more than John Smoltz? Is there anybody who hates baseball the way it's played in 2018 more than John Smoltz? Uh, yeah, the, they're cranky. Joe Buck doesn't like baseball. He likes being an announcer, but he doesn't like baseball. Ron Darling loves baseball, at yeah. least. Well, why are these guys announcing the most important games? I mean, who's who? Who is the good 
like who do you want to announce in the games? It's just you know what it should be the best team gets to announce the games. Like the best um, the the best like announcing team as voted by the fans. They get to that's not in the World Series, so there's no bias issue. Or you could do what ESPN's been doing and just have because the t- there's no home TV announcers for the um, for the playoffs. So you should have two telecasts like Fox and Fox Sports One. One of them should be like the Red Sox announcers. One of them would be the Dodgers announcers. Man, Vince Scully like retired at the wrong time. Also, Dodgers keep making the World Series. He's not in the picture. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think that rule number one has to be you have to care about the sport. You have to love the sport and enjoy the sport. I mean, Buck not openly doesn't care about, about the, the sport. I mean, same thing with Nance. Nance only cares about golf. He doesn't care about. He, he, he pretends to care. He's better than Buck, but he doesn't really care about the NFL or college basketball. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we go, we're doing coaching rankings this week. Oh, Merrill Hodge. You know Merrill Hodge. He wrote a book. Do you want to hear yes. the title of the book, Chester? It's called Brainwashed, The Bad uh, yes. Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football. This is not a novel. This is <laughs> a real nonfiction book. It'll be in the Library of Congress. Uh, yeah. Contributions by Dr. Peter Cummings, MD. That's great. Can man. I ask a question? Does this book brag on its cover about how many pages it is? <laughs> no, not, not on the cover I see. Um, He's a board-certified neuropathologist. I think that's like a fake doctor, neuropathologist. I'm not sure. Um, no, what I, what I see here is uh, dust jacket. The, yeah, it says brainwashed. Six by nine hard case with dust jacket. 336 oh, pages. Um, yeah, so I yeah. have invited Merrill Hodge on to 32 Fancy. He's not your response. I just invited him to come on the podcast yeah. and discuss um, – how CT is fake. I'm, I want to hear all about it. We could talk football. He knows his stuff. He used to be on Edge NFL Matchup, like the, the only real show on ESPN that like talks football. So I remember him on the Steelers before Jerome Bettis. Nah, you don't remember that. He, he was it was like before you were alive. Yeah, I do. I had his card in like 91, 92. Uh, let's see. Merrill Hodge retired in. Yeah, 94. So you don't remember yeah. him playing, but I guess he had his card. Yeah, oh, so well, was, 92 was, was the first season the I, remember well. ESPN, I, I, I remember well. Uh, I remember Bill Cowher's rookie season well because the two rookie coaches that year were Danny Green and Bill Cowher. They both went 11-5. Uh-huh. and five. Uh, You're saying you were a nerd. Okay. Um, yeah, the 92 season was All right, so speaking of Danny Green, and uh, who I believe is no longer with us, right, and uh, and Bill yeah. Cowher, who is. Yeah, breaking news. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, let's do coach rings. Who's 32nd? Who's the worst coach in the NFL, according to me and you? Okay. Well... First of all, uh, I'm gonna. Ha- is that how we're doing it? We're starting. From I think so. One? I don't think anybody will care. Is 32 if we start at one. I'm just trying to buy time because I don't have my uh, right, chart open right now. <laughs> all right, let me tell you one more thing. Uh, you, are you excited yeah. for uh, the in, in coming up very soon? The biggest sporting event of the week is beginning. Yeah, what's that? It's, uh, the World Wrestling Championships, 97 uh, kilogram division. Kyle Snyder, defending gold champion, against the the Bear. Uh, Abdul Sayev for Russia. It's U.S. versus Russia. It's the Cold War on the map. It's a big deal. Well, why are you bringing this up? I, you said you were stalling for time, and it's the biggest sporting event of the day. Oh. Okay, fine. All right. Well, I have it open. Uh, the worst coach in the league, uh, I had him at 29, but you have him last, is Hugh Jackson. I had him at 29? You no, had I had him at 29. Yeah, you have him there's no one. He, there's no one whose basement is lower or whose ceiling is lower, so he's the worst coach. It's crazy because I sorted, I I went to the coaching list on Wikipedia, and I sorted by wins, and he's literally behind guys who started a few weeks ago, and he's been the coach since 2016. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he's doing better in ties and overtime games. He's very good at games. I mean, they have a really good team. Like, he's actually wildly underperforming this year. He's about to get fired. This is his worst coaching job. Because the first two years, he had nobody. Now, like, everyone's underperforming on the whole team. Baker has regressed, basically, in a few games. Like, I'm not nervous about him long term. I think he's going to be really good. But he's not doing anything. They're getting nothing out of Landry. They had the trade hide to convince him to play Chubb, who was had a, had a three-carry, 100-yard, two-touchdown game and didn't earn him any more carries the next play. Yeah. Yeah, the next he's week, a disaster. He, he blames everybody but himself in the losses. He's going to struggle to get an offensive yeah. coordinator job after this. That's how you know you have a bad coach. If their tenure is so disastrous that they cannot even get a coordinator gig, sometimes these guys. Well, look at Mike Tice for yeah. the Vikings. A- after he was fired, he never got became more than an offensive. Well, Mike coach. Tice w- is different because he was essentially a rah rah coach who was who was mostly an offensive line coach. Like he'll always be able to work. Yeah, they they hired him. If you're, they actually hired him to save money, because what happened is is he came in as an interim coach at the end of the season before the lockout, and it being unclear if there was going to be a season, their coach, their ownership didn't want to go pay a coach who might not even be coaching two million dollars a year when Tice was making far and away the least of any coach in the NFL. So little that he actually had to sell his Super Bowl tickets right. <laughs> to make some money, uh, and so they really only just yeah. Kept but him Tice is a bad example. Money, he really. he was the OC one year of, of his entire career, so he was an offensive line coach who ended yeah. up getting a. But Hugh Jackson was supposed to be a good OC. Yeah, but I, I just think he's like maybe he could get like uh, a, like a big eight, a Big Twelve job or like an American Conference OC job after this. But I just think there's no way yeah. any NFL team is giving him an offensive coordinator gig again. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at our list. None of my bottom three are in the bottom three. The bottom three are your exact order. So somehow uh, you know why Mike Tice retired from coaching mine. after the end of last season? Because players no. don't want to be coached. What a like a football guy move, also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number 31 uh, on your list and on our cumulative list is Steve Wilkes. You know, a first year coach who's in danger of getting is a fired. Bit harsh on him. Like, he's a first year coach who's in well, grave danger of not lasting until his second year. His team is very bad. His best player has demanded that he uh, mm-hmm. be traded. And, and, you know, they're getting nothing out of David Johnson. It's possible he's an amazing yeah. coach, but based on the information we have, and it's silly to rank all these rookie coaches who I assume are basically all coming up except. Uh, well, other than the rookie coaches, and this is how bad, I don't know if it's that coaches are so bad right now or it's so hard to be mm-hmm. a coach, but other than the rookies, everybody on my list between 17 and 32, I think should be fired. Yeah, you could do better than, I also had, I don't know about fired, but there's, well, we'll get into it, but there, there is a replacement level level. So I, I, I don't. Well, for each yeah. guy, why don't we say whether we think he should be fired or not? So Hugh Jackson, we both yeah, agree Steve should be Steve Wilkes, I need to see more, but if, if he doesn't yeah, turn around, I, I don't think I would not fire Steve Wilkes. I do not think he'll get yeah. a second year. I, well, to get fired after one year it's, is very unusual. It, All right, number it 30. happens. So Wilkes may have been overpromoted. Here is his – Here is his. he was a college secondary coach who gets hired by the Bears to be the secondary coach. He does three years with the Bears, three years with the Chargers, four years with the Panthers. So, again, 2014, still secondary coach, gets promoted to assistant head coach for two years. He has one-year coordinator experience in Carolina and somehow gets the job, even though Carolina didn't have a great year last year. So he's wildly overpromoted. Now, Doug Peterson – some people said was overpromoted, but um, or Mike Lombardi said it. But like that's you don't normally get a, a, a coaching job with one year of coordinator experience. Now we just said Mike Tice, but Mike Tice was different in that you know he was sort of a very good offensive line coach uh, who you know needed a coordinator with him also, uh, and also wasn't a good head coach. So maybe it proves you know it's it's it proves that he was a bad hire. Who's number thirty? Yeah. All right, number thirty. 
on your list, also on our cumulative advance, Joseph. You just saw in person the Jets blow out yeah. Denver. And also so Vance Joseph, uh, you, you, you know, I've always hated him because I've mentioned this story in the podcast before, but he's the worst player in Jets history. Um, he, <laughs> he, I, the player, like, it doesn't seem like the players respect him. Uh, I mean, he just won his last game by 35 points. Yeah. Who did he beat? The, a guy, who's, yeah, a guy I think who might not make the, yeah. it to his bye week. Yeah, I think the bigger problem with Denver it really lies with the front officer, with John Elway, because this is a team that has not had a quarterback since Peyton Manning mm-hmm. fell apart. Uh, they spent $20 million on Case Keenum, a career backup, a career third string. I mean, Case Keenum was the Vikings' third string quarterback to start the season last mm-hmm. year. He has this miraculous season, and I'm fine giving him a chance as long as you have someone else the way that, like, you know, the Broncos did, for example, with uh, Sam Bradford, excuse me, the Cardinals. But for, for Case Keenum to be your only option is just. It's just that's a big mistake. Yeah, and well, they, you heard what happened since we started they, this they podcast. Didn't... Also, the Chad what? Kelly, the backup, who a lot of people think it was about to start, just got arrested. Yeah, so got arrested. Kelly is probably yeah. you know was about to start. I think probably in a week or two, if Keenum kept struggling. Uh, now you know he might not stay in the league. Well. Now, uh, Vance Joseph, as he gets hired last year, uh, he, he gets hit by a couple sexual assault allegations. I think there was two separate ones. Uh, really, they were like a little bit too, you know, they probably would have had to just pay him, so they didn't fire him, but he never should have gotten the job, and um, people really immediately forgot about it, but he should not have been hired, and you want to hear something amazing? A longtime defensive backs coach for the Niners, Texans, and Bengals, he does a decade, the the Dolphins hired him as a D coordinator in 2016, I don't remember the Dolphins defense in 2016 lighting the world on fire, but maybe it did, and then... He gets hired as head coach. So, again, one-year coordinator, and he's not – I mean, he hasn't been around that long. He's 46 now. He got hired. He was 44. Uh, maybe we're sensing, sensing a trend where these guys should have way more than one-year coordinating experience, especially the way it works in Major League Baseball sometimes is you can work your way up. You're like a double-A manager and a triple-A manager, and you're literally working your way through the minors, uh, unless you're like Paul Molitor and you're, you're – really famous or your Hall of Famer. Although Paul Mauter was the hitting coach at some point, right? Yeah. But sometimes you can get a gig, especially these catchers sometimes get a gig without any managerial experience, even being a bench coach. Uh, but now we've talked about three guys already who... Yeah, but baseball's very different. Yeah, but but the point is football doesn't have... Like, in theory, the best way to practice being a head coach would be to go to, like, Appalachian State and be the head coach for a few years, Right. That's better experience yeah. than being like uh, a position coach and then getting a couple years of coordinating experience, get, having a team that gets hot in the playoffs and stupidly getting a job. Um, yeah. Being a, being an NFL head coach is like being president. You need to have prior experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once in a while, they don't. And we see what happens. Twenty nine. Uh, I, I would, by the way, breaking news to the podcast. Uh, your New York Jets just signed Richard yeah, yeah. Matthews. Jets signed Matthews. He should be. I mean, the Jets were throwing to guys at that game. So many Vikings fans, by the way. You must have been in heaven. Yeah. So many Vikings fans. Great. Did your experience. son enjoy it? Would, 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 yeah. was, it a, was it a positive experience? You brought. You didn't even bring your oldest son, right? My oldest son was. Well, so here's the thing. I was going to go with friends at the beginning of the week. My wife put the kibosh on that because she doesn't want me to have any You mean because she's like, wait, yeah. Alex, like you're not going to like bring invisible people to a game and stuff. Yeah, no, no. She Basically, she said I couldn't leave her with all three kids. I had to take a kid, and I wasn't going to. Like, I mean, the Vikings come to play the Jets once every eight years. Yeah, I know. I was there last time in 2010, um, and so uh, so my oldest son was going to come. Was, it, but was he, that a night game? The 2010, yeah. It was the Brett Favre Monday Nighter. It was delayed an hour because of a thunderstorm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, okay, so I was there because I could only go when games were Monday night back then because I was working. On oh, you were there. Days. Oh, but we didn't know each other. So I was there. We didn't. Uh, we knew well, of we each other. Well, we didn't. Yeah. That was a miserable experience, that game. 
We had to stand in the concourse for an hour. The game was delayed. Yeah, I forgot about that. The game was delayed. I had, I had never been to a delayed game. Yeah. I've been to you know over 100 football games. It was the first time I'd ever been to Well, the very game. first game the Jets boring. ever played in that stadium was also delayed. It was also a night game. The same thing. Well, was that the new stadium or was it the last year of the old stadium? No, this is the new stadium, 2010. Oh, so, tw- so we have a, we're in a, uh, a box that's not especially useful, but uh, if for rain, it would be incredibly useful because you can not be get inside. wet. Yeah, it was a miserable experience yeah. because also then we had like, you know, your seats were all, it was a miserable experience. Uh, Brett Favre yes. threw the oh, only. On the, by the way, football in the rain is a hundred times worse than football in the snow. Oh, yeah, infinitely. A yeah. hundred times worse. Yeah. I went to 1997 Jets Ravens game. That went deep into overtime. Jets, I believe, won 1916 uh, uh, on a John Hall field goal. It was freezing rain. We used to use binoculars because we sat behind the end zone. So you, I can't see, and my grandfather can't see, you know, past the 30-yard line the other way. <laughs> so we'd use binoculars. Now I can't see, like, past, you know, yeah. I, can only, I like, now I just watch the screen. It's a waste of time for me to go to the games. Yeah. Um, the, we So our binoculars were ruined by the second quarter. Like, they were, they were, they actually got destroyed. All my clothes, like, I had, like, thrown the garbage. Like, they were, like, the wettest the, the the drive home was so miserable that at least they won. The drive home after a team loses when you're stuck in that, that giant stadium parking lot is atrocious. Did you see what uh, Jets fans did to a Vikings car at the tailgate? Yes, I was hoping it was your car <laughs> as long as you weren't in it. <laughs> yeah, they burnt that thing to a crisp. Yeah, that's, Jets fans, honestly, Jets classy. fans, I would expect that more in Minnesota. The Vikings have some rowdy fa- fans in the parking lot. Uh, the Jets... No, nah, the Vikings don't. The Vikings don't tailgate. Their game's downtown. There's like, there's no, there's no like. Well, the new stadium, you mean? No, I've never been to the new stadium. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the, I mean, I, I, there was always story, crazy stories of things happening at the Metrodome. No, like people being like Packers fans being beat up in the parking lot. I always, no, I no. Kid, Are I you kidding? Minnesota. Minnesota. Not Minnesota. I think Minnesota. when I was a kid, I remember reading about a Packers no. fan like being stabbed. There yes. is no chance. No, you're maybe a Bears game. No, that, that never happened. It was 100% in Minnesota because I remember a Vikings fan telling me. No, no one in Minnesota has ever stabbed anyone. That's a lie. Um, okay, fine. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so so Vance Joseph, number 30. Number 29 is a guy we have a big disagreement about, Dirk Cutter. I have him 31. To me, Dirk Cutter's got to go. You have him all the way up at 24. I, all these guys should. Anyone 24 under is. I just. I, I, it's almost a pass on the rookie coaches. So 24, he's just ahead of all the rookies and you, Jackson, maybe one other guy. Okay. A Cutter's going to get fired. Okay. I will say, you know, maybe I boosted them up a spot or two because they've played much better. We thought that they might be 0-4. We thought Cutter might get fired at the bye. Yeah. That didn't even come close to happening. Uh, the offense is, is actually kind of clicking. It's not really his fault that Jameis Winston is a lunatic who makes like 10 horrendous decisions every game. Jameis Winston is the new Blake Bortles. Like, <laughs> he's a good fantasy quarterback, and people probably assume like, wow, he's having a big year. Where you know Mariota who can't complete a pass like oh now Winston's definitely winning that battle no Winston sucks yeah he just he's just putting a big fantasy number and there's a chance Winston's out of football in two or three years I I mean I've been saying that like in hindsight Mariota Winston they're both losers you should not have taken a quarterback yes yeah 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 but Donald Mayfield they're both Hall of Famers yeah I mean Mariota has a playoff win under his belt Uh, will he get to two playoff wins in his career ooh that's a good one I accept I think we're I would say yes. I mean, it's so easy to win a playoff game in the AFC. <laughs> like, you could win another playoff game this year. They're, th- yeah. they're what are they, three and three, three and four? Well, that's no true. One, but look, they're, I mean, they're in like a tie essentially for that division within a half game. Well, just to bring up another Tennessee quarterback, okay, Vince Young was a first round draft pick, yeah. a rookie, highly touted. His yeah. first year, he goes eight and five, makes the Pro Bowl. His next year, he goes nine and six. The next year, he was injured. The next year, he went eight and two. So, in Tennessee, yeah. as a starter, 
and then, and then he went four and four the last season, and lost his job. But he was thirty and seventeen as a starter. He had a lot of wins there. Yeah, he right? was kind of mistreated. I don't think Car- Vince Young had a chance to fail himself out of the league. Yeah, he makes a playoff. He makes a playoff game at the age of twenty-four. If you would have bet at that point, will he win a playoff game in his career? You would have said, "Of course he will." Yeah, yeah, of course. It wouldn't and even been a conversation. And then out of football at twenty-eight. Yeah, very sad career, honestly, Vince yeah. Young. It's depressing. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I wouldn't assume there's a lot of guys. I think like if you're going to be a back, if you're going to end up being like a backup quarterback, even a good one, like I'm sure C.J. Beathard is like incredibly pleasant. Like if you want to be a backup quarterback and people keep you around, just be like a really good guy to have the, in the quarterback room, and they'll keep you for ten years. Okay. The best example of that, of course, is Jesus, is clipboard Jesus Charlie Whitehurst. Yeah, Chase Daniel, but yeah, I think just be nice and they'll keep you around. Uh, all right, who's the next coach? We're going slow here. Yeah, well, hold on. I want to ask you a question here. Uh, we were just talking about you know, how easy it is to win a playoff game. Can I give you a list of quarterbacks who never won a single playoff game in their career? Yeah, but don't say anyone from the 70s when there was no playoffs, though. Well, yeah, I mean, Why were there no playoffs in the 70s? I mean, there were less. If six teams weren't making it, it was very hard to win a playoff game. Well, four teams were making it, but there were like 22 teams in the league, so. Yeah. Yeah, we've discussed this on quarterback rings. Give me modern guys who haven't won a playoff game. We're not interested in guys from the 70s right now. Okay. Well, I mean, because Sonny Jorgensen's a Hall of Famer who never even made a playoff game, which is insane. Yeah, but we've discussed that 10 times. And yeah, but cares. it's a, but can you imagine a guy today making the, pl- uh, making the Hall of yeah, Fame? Yeah, I mean, Skip Bayless would talk about how Sonny Jorgensen was, like, the least clutch guy ever. He didn't have he didn't have the clutch gene. He didn't even have, like, the, the competent gene. He melted yeah. when it came to November, which, by the way, was when they played the championship. So I need a guy who played after the 70s for you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or we could just skip it because nobody cares. But if you want to mention good quarterbacks who never won a playoff game. Yeah, most of my guys are in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I'm not surprised because there was less playoffs. And also, like, you were playing against super teams. There was, you know, you, like, you weren't going to, you, you, like, if you were against the Cowboys or the Steelers or then the Niners in the 80s, like, you were just never going to win a playoff game. You'd make the playoffs, then you'd lose 49-3. to Yeah, Steve Grogan and Bobby A. Bear both uh, never won a playoff game. Trent Green never won a playoff yeah. game. I mean, the whole, like, there was, listen, there are franchises then, right? The Cardinals didn't win one for, like, 50 years. The Lions? Yeah. Uh, not so crazy. All right, keep going. Keep going. All right. So Who's the, next? Matt Patricia? So, yeah, Matt Patricia's next on this list. You know, I'm a little bit higher on him than you. He's a rookie, like another uh, second-year coach we already mentioned. He's been accused, uh, credibly, of sexual assault. Or actually worse, I think, in his case. The Lions are doing a little bit better than I thought. But the Lions, no matter who their mm-hmm. coach is, is basically, they've been an 8-8 eight and eight team for the last, like, five or six years. Yeah, now Patricia's in the Patriots system, which obviously is useful. His only non-Patriots experience was as a grad assistant for Syracuse. Um, so he doesn't have the one-year coordinator thing I was talking about. He was the coordinator for the Patriots for a very long time, for six seasons. And six seasons where they were in the Super Bowl, they have the championship game every single year but one, I think. Um, or did they make it all six of those years? Um, but uh, pe- you know, people were down on the hire. They fought to keep McDaniels, didn't fight to catch him. All this has been said before. He's only 44 years old. That sometimes that's too young to be a, to be a coach, and people were ready to fire him after the Jet game. But since then, they've looked very competent, and I think they're gonna. If they beat Seattle this week, they're gonna. You know, they have a real chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. So um, Pat, Matt Patricia. So you might move, you might go up on him. You're saying. Uh, yeah, he could move up. I don't think he's incompetent. Listen, this team has a lot of talent with Carryon Johnson, who, by the way, I was wrong about a lot of players this year, especially when I said Thielen would collapse and Diggs would be the Vikings' main guy. Yeah. Um, but, like, Carryon Johnson, I liked after that first game, and he, he looks now like he – you should have bought him cheap in fantasy like a week ago because now he's going really, you know, for a lot of, uh, a lot of value. Um, yeah, the, the Lions are the titans of the 
of the NFC. Yeah, I, th- I usually call them the Ravens, they're the, the, N- same of the NFC. Year. But the Ravens look a little bit better. Oh, that's this fair. Year. They're somewhere between because they're better than the Titans, but they're not even. Cl- I mean, the Ravens have won Super Bowls. Like they're not even. Well, I don't mean it, historically. I mean the last couple of years. Yeah. All right. Number twenty six. We have a tie between two old veterans who should not be doing this anymore. Uh, John Gruden, who is one of our biggest disagreements. I have him dead last. John Gruden was terrible before he got the job. Every single thing he's done I, I almost, since then has their been Their team is so bad right now, and yes, he is losing it, which is the problem. I mean, literally who, his But who made the team bad? bad? Him. His his quarterback had to go – well, they were bad last year without him. His quarterback had to go on Twitter and say, I'm a Raider, and like <laughs> do a skull emoji. Yeah, that same quarterback who blasted the fans in Oakland for not staying loyal to a team that is moving to another state as soon as their stadium is ready. So, yeah. So, John Gruden, you have him up at number 20. So, you uh, you think John Gruden is an average coach? I think they have three really good first-round picks. I don't I don't think he's an average coach. I just think his ceiling is higher than all the guys we talked about. I mean, he's won everywhere he's been. I don't first like of all, him, first of he all, he, good coordinators. First of all, he, he did not win in Tampa, okay? A- after, you know, like the last three or four years in Tampa, he didn't win anything. And then he hasn't been a coach for 15 years. I mean, he didn't have a QB in Tampa, though. Well, he hasn't won anything since 2002. So, uh, you know, okay. I, I do not think he's a good coach. I do not think he should have been a coach. To me, he's, he's the worst. He's only 55. It's not like he's washed up. Yeah, but he's been out of the league for so long. Okay, There's so only... maybe it'll take him time to learn. You know when you learn? This year. The next you know, year, you know who, have been you know who didn't league. learn when he came back the second time? It, it didn't work who? for... Um, Archell, Joe yeah, it didn't work for it didn't work for Washington with Gibbs. It didn't work yeah. for... It didn't yeah, work for Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil's like the only example. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so John oh, Gruden to me, the guys. reason John Gruden to me is dead last is because from the moment they signed him, we knew it was idiotic. We knew it was going to fail. Whereas these other guys, Steve Wilkes, I don't know for a fact he might fail. I didn't know anything about him. John uh, Gruden to right. me is an uh, yeah, I think Gruden will be okay because he's going to have, he's unfireable right now, so he's going to have plenty of time to, uh, yeah, to, I did see someone like give his excuses by year. So it's like 20, you know, 2018, just learning 2019, you know, uh, uh, Drafting, you know, uh, there was something else like 2020 moving to Vegas, 2021 draft new quarterback, 2022 new quarterback. So, like every year had a new excuse of how he could last 10 years. Yeah, uh, I think he'll be OK. All right. Tied with Jason uh, with John Gruden is Jason Garrett. You know, the jokes have been made endlessly about this guy. You know what he has on Jerry Jones, how he still has the job. Jerry Jones, by the way, his track record of trading first round picks for wide receivers. He's failed twice. He uh, figures third times a charm. Did you see Kevin O'Connor on The Ringer? Uh, you know, The Ringer does write about football once a month. And they wrote an article, a very funny article about the Raiders-Cowboys uh, trade. Where yeah, they talked about, basically, that? it's not that John Gruden won a trade because he's smart. It's sort of by accident. So, sort, sort of like Tibbs with Jimmy Butler. Although he actually didn't win that one in hindsight. But, um, you know, there's so many idiots in the league that John Gruden is making terrible trades left and right. But, you know, he found a bigger idiot than himself in Jerry Jones. Yeah, I, I we were having an argument in, in a Jets WhatsApp group. I, I wouldn't have given up a third or a fourth. And the Jets are just as desperate for a receiver now because they were playing special team guys against you and waiver wire guys. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have given up a third or a fourth. I would have because put it this way. Where does Amari Cooper go in the next draft using his current contract? So he's young. He's like 25. But he's got next one year. He's year due thirteen and a half million dollars. Thirteen million dollars, and then you have to repay him again. And by the way, if you think you're getting a steal, like you're not, because there's no free agent. Free agent receivers don't hit the market, unlike free agent running backs. So, I mean, Bill Barnwell said that the Jets scrub, like the Jets, Anderson and Anunua, are going to get eight figures a year. They're going to get ten million a year, and th- the Jets are like they have no receivers, and their guys are getting paid ten million dollars. Yeah. So. Uh, and another example of Jerry Jones being an idiot is the fact that Jason Garrett still has his job in 2018. 
Yeah. All right. So is that who we're talking about? Jason Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tied with John Gruden. Yeah, I mean, number he sucks. 26. He sucks. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who's Not next? good. All right. Number twenty-five. Uh, we're ready to discuss him at the top of this episode. Pat Shermer. I need to see more. Yeah. I mean, the fact that everyone. Well, you have the all the rookies so very low. You have Patricia twenty-eight, Shermer twenty-nine. I have yeah, Shermer twenty-two. It would be insulting to have them over. And full disclosure, I had Shermer twenty-three yesterday. I moved him up one spot because I moved him up ahead of Marvin Lewis because Marvin Lewis would never have understood that you go for two in that scenario. Oh yeah, yeah no, a lot of coaches would not have done that. Yeah. So uh, Pat Shermer, his play calling is not good. Look, he's hamstrung because his front office said the rule of this job is you have to keep Eli Manning. And Pat Shermer, as an offense coordinator, I'm sure did not want to keep Eli Manning, but he doesn't have a choice right now. So, you know, I I, I think that we have to give Pat Shermer a chance. Yeah. All right. And one spot ahead of him is the coach that I watched in action on Sunday. Uh, Who'd you watch on Sunday? Todd Bowles? Yeah. I mean, you watched the entirety of the Jets-Vikings game, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have so many questions here. Why, why did they not call a timeout at the end of the first half when they let the clock uh, run from 120? He doesn't to... know how to use the timeouts. He's, he's really clueless with timeouts. Amazingly, Sean McVay has a guy who does it for him because he's so busy coaching the game. Yeah, so that like seems like a coach. Well, yeah, but... if, the sm- if the smartest coach acknowledges that he can't do it solo, you'd think that'd be a hint to yeah. the stupid coaches, but... No, it's possible Bowles has one and they don't talk about it and he's just bad at his job because Herm Edwards used to have. Well, somebody uh, said Dick somebody Curl, said last night one um, one a Sharp or one of these smart uh, Twitter follow, football Twitter followers that I follow mm-hmm. said, and, and this is what annoyed me so much no, about the Twitter in- follows followers yes. they follow you they yeah. don't care what you have to say, but yeah <laughs> one of the reason I was so pissed off at the announcers last night and I was livid is because what he pointed out or somebody pointed out every single team except I think the Chargers the Chargers do not have, have an analytics department every single team has a guy on their staff who calculates and explains these odds to the coaches and explains to the coach why you are supposed to go for two in that situation. So every single NFL coach has been told that it is the correct thing to do. And what's frustrating is even though the coach knows he's supposed to do it, he doesn't do it anyway. And as we said before, why? Because he wants to avoid being the topic of conversation. He would rather the players be blamed or someone else be blamed. He doesn't want it to be about his decisions. And so he intentionally makes the wrong decision so that he will avoid the spotlight. And the reason for that is because when a coach does make the right decision, you have these idiotic announcers who are lambasting him. And so the announcers aren't just like a symptom. They are the problem. It is because they act this way that coaches, therefore, make the wrong decisions for their teams. And that's why the announcers being so stupid is so frustrating because it's not just that they're affecting the viewing experience. They're actually affecting the game itself. Anyways. But Todd Bowles, honestly, I don't think, you know, he's obviously a disaster when it comes to clock management. But I think he does have some positive aspects. You know, he is you know he is a guy who got this team with nobody to ten wins a couple of years ago. He got them. He got them to ten wins. Now, the players seem to like him, but also he's he's definitely a players' coach. They can sort of do whatever they want, which is why they like him. Which I guess if you're gonna lose, you have to be a players' coach. So they're not mad. And at the end of the year, when you win that final week seventeen game, go to six and ten. Players are like, yes, we're gonna keep you. I Bruce Arians, who's like his best friend, was announcing the game. Uh, he's an unconventional announcer, but he's probably one of the better announcers, Arians. And he was saying that, unlike, uh, by the way, the worst announcer right now is Chris Spielman, who who's, can't complete a sentence. And yeah. is an absolute buffoon. Um, so Arians was saying, uh, and again, he's trying to pump up his, his buddy, that he always thought he would work for Todd Bowles. Like, he, he, like he, th- he thinks Bowles is an absolute genius and an incredible coach. So people are impressed with him. But I, to me, I think maybe he's overpromoted and he should be a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean... You know, I have him at 24. Again, I said everybody from 17 and below except for the rookies should probably be fired. But, um, you know, there are worse coaches. All right, number 23. And like you have with Patricia and Shermer and everybody else, you have this guy in the bottom five. 
Um, Mike Vrabel. I have him all the way up at 19 because he's made a couple of the correct decisions, including the way that he went for two on Sunday as the underdog uh, to avoid going into overtime against a much better team. So I have yeah. him all the way up at number 19. Okay. It's it, For some of these rookies, and you are you are the one who tends to overvalue the rookies. I mean, Dan Quinn's rookie year, they were 6-0 and or 5-0. and And Adam Gase. Quinn and Gase yeah. was basically putting in the whole thing. Yeah, but I've actually been more guilty of that today than you have. I, I've been overrating the rookies. But my attitude basically is that everybody below Vrabel, everybody in the bottom 10, 12, I know that they're failures. Vrabel, I don't know yet. He hasn't had a chance to fail. So maybe he'll succeed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. He could be the best coach ever. We wouldn't know yet. Yeah. All right, let's get to number 22. This is the biggest disagreement on our entire list. I have him 30. I think he's a terrible coach. I think he should have been fired and then rehired just to be fired a second time for the Nathan Peterman situation last year with Tyra Taylor. But you love Sean McDermott. You have him all the way up at number 15. You think he's an above-average NFL head coach? I think, yeah, I think McDermott knows what he's doing because he took a garbage team last year to the playoffs, and this team is... Uh, this like this team I mean, is they outperformed. Barely, they they be. made the pl- they were the worst playoff team we might have ever seen in our lives. Okay, but they still like there were ten teams that did not make the playoffs. Yeah, but he, he tried to make them not make the playoffs by benching Tyra Taylor for one re- for yeah, one well, game. The, obviously, the Peterman thing is insane, but also yeah. he has no other like decent options. But these now, are decisions that have... he makes. They let they let Tyra Taylor the go, manager. right? Then then they 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 sign a a quarterback in the offseason. They trade him before he even plays for them, right? McCarron. Yeah. Like, the reason that they're stuck with Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman right now is because of decisions that he has made. Partially him, partially Bean or whoever. Yeah, oh, it's the, the front office has to go also. But uh, to me, this is a uh, collective band of losers and in Buffalo. It's a pathetic situation. And, um, yeah, so Sean McDermott, to me, he's got to go. He's number 30. Biggest disagreement on our list, number 22 overall. Now tied at 20, we have two more AFC veteran coaches. Marvin Lewis, there's nothing to say about Marvin Lewis anymore. No, no, nothing interesting. To say. Yeah, it's like Jared. It's like uh, Jason Garrett. He'll be around forever, no matter that he never wins a playoff game. And then Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien, who you know came on a couple Every of years ago. Every time you watch a Texans game, you you think like, oh, I hate this guy. He needs to yeah. be fired. Like try betting on the Texans. He yeah, is- Hard Knocks and Hard Knocks really makes you see which coaches are terrible and which coaches are good. And most of them sure. come out not looking good. Hugh Jackson did not, not come out looking good. good. Bill O'Brien did not come out great as a coach. As a guy, he seemed like a nice enough guy. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, he wasn't you Jackson level of bad. The crazy thing is that somehow this team is now in first place in that division after seven weeks. Uh, well, it's not so crazy. The division stinks. I well, mean, you but got Mariota in that after division, week got three, everybody was slurping Jacksonville left and right. You know, when they put that beat down on the Patriots at home, Houston was 0-3, was losing at home to garbage teams like the Giants. Yeah. And somehow Houston with the least impressive four-game winning streak ever. Right, I mean, like winning in the last second against yeah. garbage teams like Buffalo. And, all right, so Bill I mean, O'Brien yes, and Marvin. That Lewis. division could be four, eight, and eight teams, or like the Titans seven and nine, or something. All right, number nineteen. Continuing my uh, streak of way overvaluing the rookie quarterback, uh, rookie coaches. Matt Nagy. You have him at twenty-six, the same place that you have Rabel and Patricia and and, and Shermer and everybody else. I have Matt Nagy all the way up at number fourteen. This is the guy I value the most, like where we have the biggest disagreement in favor of me. I have him at number fourteen. I've been really impressed with what he's done for the Bears. Mitch Trubisky is the ninth best quarterback in the NFL right now. So either we owe somebody a big apology on Twitter mm-hmm. or Nagy's just been, um, you know, a really good coach. Yeah, well, they're feisty. They're, they're special team. You know, I, I feel like they're outperforming their, uh, like, am I nervous that Jets are playing them this week? Am I nervous about playing them? No. 
I don't know. I need to see more of it. It's absurd to, to rank him uh, at this point because he's got a quarterback doesn't really know what he's doing. Well, yet, there's a rookie never. that you have uh, pretty high up also who we'll get to. So, who, Whose team I, has won two games. So I'm just next? No, he's not even next. So we'll get to him. Number 17, we have a tie. Anthony Lynn. I think we're a little low on Anthony Lynn because like his team has won a lot of games since he got there. Yeah, I mean Lynn is Lynn is fine. Like Lynn could could Lynn be special? Maybe we would have seen it already. I, they have a really good team. That, yeah. that is the thing. Like, they Look, when him good. and Vance Joseph showed up the same year as first year coaches in the same division with teams that we thought were sort of equal, like but we've seen those teams have gone in very different directions, and I think the coach mm-hmm. has to be, get partial credit for that. Now about this: Lynn Jaguars, Cowboys, Browns, Jets, uh, running back coach for twelve years. Uh, gets named uh, Rex's assistant for two years, and then uh, is the offensive coordinator, I think, mid-season, right? Didn't the Bills fire their OC after like one or two games in, in the last Rex year? Yeah. Greg Roman gets fired yeah. after, I think, a game, maybe after two games. Yeah. So he had less than a season of OC experience and gets hired as a coach. So you talk about, and he's 49, he's young, talk about people being promoted quickly like, a little scary. None of none of the career offensive court. If you're an offensive coordinator and you make it to year three, you should be nervous that you're gonna, that you're like, oh, I'm a career coordinator now. Forget it, because I feel like these guys only get hired after year. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like you want it. Well, that when when the Vikings had Brad Childress and Mike Tomlin, and after the first year of Tomlin as defense coordinator, the Steelers hired him. I was screaming at the time, like. If a franchise like the Steelers, which has been incredibly stable and wins Super Bowls over and over and over, if they try and hire your defense coordinator, you fire your coach and hire your defense coordinator before you let him leave outside the building. So, um, I mean, teams have had weird conflicts. You had Pagano and Arians, right? Yeah. That weird thing where Arians wasn't the coach, but he won coach of the year when Pagano got sick. All right, so tied with Anthony Lynn is Mike McCarthy. I'm surprised he's this high. And again, this just speaks to how many bad coaches I'm so sick of McCarthy. Like, we're going to look back and see, like, oh, you know, the Packers won one Super Bowl during the He destroyed Aaron Rodgers. And again, Warren Sharp and other guys on Twitter are just apoplectic about it. They say, like, you look at all the smart play callers now. You know, you see your Sean McVay's or whatever, or your Andy Reid's, and you see what probably the best, in terms of, like, pure talent, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback of all time. Yeah, is that fair to say? Pure talent, I think there's no question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, John Elway is 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 definitely close, just in physical ability. But yeah, in terms of talent, yeah. Rodgers is one. And and yet Aaron Rodgers is ha- again has one Super Bowl, and it's because Mike McCarthy has just drowned him one year Super Bowl after year. Appearance. Terrible play calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, number sixteen, and and this is the last guy on my list of guys who need to be fired is Jay Gruden. If Washington were to I do something I don't this know. year, I, he's going to win that division possibly. Like I, would, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fire him yet. Yeah, well, that's what we've been saying for years. I will like if he does. What, if he, he has he made fired, one playoff game so far in his career? If if the next ten years he gets fired, you know John's bringing him as a coordinator, Rex Ryan style. So that's yeah, gonna be fun. One way or the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> get him I, another ten years. I mean, could Jay take over and John demote himself to offensive coordinator, or or general manager since he does have final say in the roster? Yeah. Also. <laughs> and Richie McKenzie like openly. I think it's like sit and drink coffee all day because he has no say in anything. It's kind it, of awkward. Well, it's sort of like, like the Timberwolves general manager, uh, Scott Layden, from your Spurs, who does nothing all day also because Tibbs doesn't Scott let him. Scott Layden, I think, is really from the Knicks. He's not really from the Spurs. Uh, but he was on the Spurs most recently. I yeah. mean, the Spurs will, like, any nice guy the Spurs will, like, yeah. bring into their front office and, like, rehab. All right, number 15, um, a rookie coach, uh, probably way too high. His team literally had one win until they got to play Buffalo this week, Frank Reich. Uh, this was the Colts' second choice. Scott Layden never was part of the Spurs. I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, who's the Timberwolves GM who they got from uh, the Spurs? It's Scott Layden. He's he's not. I don't think he's from the Spurs. He doesn't have the word Spurs on his Wikipedia page. But maybe. Maybe he was like in the front office for a year. But he's he's the Knicks GM. 
Or is he Frank Lay? Oh, Frank Lay in this. He's. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He was the GM of the Knicks. I could have sworn he was doing something for the Spurs. He was like a a consultant or something. Yeah, he was the assistant GM at some point. You're right. Okay, Okay. Okay. whatever. It's not interesting. All right. Why do we have Frank Reich at number 15 when his own team didn't even want him? He was a second choice, and his team. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know why he, he should be. He should be with the other guys like twenty two. Yeah, Frank Reich somehow snuck all the way up our list. I, I like how aggressive he is. Like there are definitely things I like. Oh, but I agree. He's made good decisions, and that's why I had him this high. But like you know, I'm very happy that you know luck. You should you have to be out of your mind ecstatic that luck looks really good. Marlon Mack now looks feisty. Like that offense and and Ebron's having an amazing year. Like that offense could be one of the better offenses going down going down the stretch. Yeah. Um. All right, nobody cares about fantasy, so I'm not going to say it. The stupid story is about to say about Marlon Mack. All right, Adam Gase, number 14. You still love him. You have him at number 12. I love Adam Gase. He's the best coach in the NFL. Yeah, he might not have his job after this season. He is losing the locker room. I like him as an in-game coach. Well, he, hold on. He's losing mind. the locker room's pl- – he's losing the player's agents. Devontae Parker's well, agents. No, no, no. If, if you lose the agents, you've really lost the players. <laughs> but Devontae Parker's like, agent the was amazing. The agent do that. Did you see the quote? Yeah. He's like – Devante shouldn't be inactive. Uh, Gates should be inactive. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wild. Uh, but I did Google, and I believe that it's like an old man agent, and it's his only client. It's uh, like okay. a guy who, like, I, I believe it's actually not a funny story. I think he was Corey Stringer's agent, and uh, like after Corey Stringer died, he like couldn't even like think the word football for a decade or something. Oh, uh, that's too bad. And now it's like his only, it's his only client. Um, All right. So he could do insane things like that because he's not losing yeah. anybody. So when Devante, so when Devante Parker said, "My agent is not speaking for me," he might actually be, like, be honest in this case. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's yeah. a crazy person. He could fire, but then you fire the guy. Yeah. Um, like Richard Matthews, who got cut from the Titans because he like signed the, you know, an extension for zero dollars and did all these crazy things, then demanded to get traded when he was benched for a day, even though it clearly wasn't a big demand as it took him a few weeks yeah. to get hired, was his own agent. He didn't have an agent. Like, there's a reason you should, like, those top 10 agents, you should just hire one of them. Because these guys who have no clients are, like, representing yourself or getting, like, Master P, Ricky Williams style. Yeah. It doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we're starting to get to some decent coaches. Doug Marone, number 13. Right, you have them all up at number 10. I think that's a little bit high. Again, this team is underwater right now in a bad division. No, I think Marone is, you know, you look back, as like he won in Buffalo, which is hard to do. Uh, he kind of won at Syracuse. I, I think Marone is a good coach. Now, this year is a mess, but, like, he almost made the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles as his, as, as his quarterback. Like, Doug Marone is a very good coach. I would rather have Marone over anybody else we've discussed so far. That's, that's where you use your rankings. Marone yeah, well, over everyone we've talked about. Well, I agree. I have him at number 15, and everybody we've, you know, we've had is below him. But you have, you have each of the next three guys on our list behind Marone on your list. Uh, so that's Ron Rivera, Dan Quinn, and Kyle Shanahan. Your beloved Dan Quinn. Yeah, I mean, all these guys I'd be happy with if right. they were my Yeah, coach. let's take them one at a uh, time. All right, Quinn so Ron Rivera's case. number 12. Uh, you know, uh, we like Riverboat Ron. He's okay. He's 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 sort of, he's a poor man's Andy Reid, I would say. Uh, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Ron Rivera's a poor man's Andy Reid. All right. Uh, um, Dan- he's, a, he's a little bit more of a gambler. Like, uh, he, he's a, you know, Andy Reid is a little bit more by the book. Um... Andy Reid gambles with play calling. Not yeah, with Andy Reid's play calling is is much yeah much more exciting. All right, yeah, mm-hmm. we, there's not a lot to say. Dan Quinn at number eleven. This is a little bit lower than we've had him in the last few years. Uh, you know, obviously he went to a Super Bowl, and then last year they regressed a lot, and this year they've also regressed. So at a certain point, Rivera, at, like speaking of speaking of these guys' uh, experience in their head, first head coaching job, Rivera was the Bears' defensive coordinator for three years. 
uh, the, the coach gets fired, he leaves, he gets a linebacker job for a year, then he's the charger for three years. So this guy has six years of experience, not as a, like an extremely, you know, one of the most well-known D coordinators, and then he gets a job, and now he's in year eight, and, you know, with no signs of slowing down, having made four playoff games in the Super Bowl. Like, um, Yeah, although Jack Del Rio uh, sort of looked that way. Who made one, who coordinated for one year. That's really the lesson of this whole podcast. Jack Del Rio hung around for a long time in Jacksonville, and then got a second job in Oakland. Just what, and another he, and, former linebacker who was a coach for longer than, you know, in hindsight. Yeah, but would, probably would, you know, Del, Del Rio, I believe, was a, was a coordinator for a long time. You're saying he was only coordinator for one year? Oh, I don't remember. Um, I was just thinking of linebacker. Yeah, Del Rio was right. was the Panthers coordinator and and for one for one year before he got the Jaguars yeah. job. So that is true. Although it's not like he was great as a Jaguars coach, to be fair. Well, I mean, he was the best coach the Jaguars ever had, except for yeah, Coughlin. They won, they won a lot at the beginning, and then they lost the last four years he was there. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, every coach loses at the end. That's why he gets fired. All right. Um, Amazing how many of these guys yeah. get jobs after one year. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Nothing ever ends well, otherwise it wouldn't end. All right. Number 11 is Dan Quinn. We, uh, as a, again, l- let's two years in a row where they're regressing is kind of a problem, and that's why he's out of the, yeah, top I, the 10. De- I just think the defense doesn't have enough talent to be an NFL defense. That looks like what's happening. I mean, they could yeah. barely beat the Giants. Well, he's, a, def- he's was- a defensive guy, so that's sort of on him a little bit, though. Yeah, but they don't have the players. Like, they all got hurt at the beginning, and they didn't have a lot of depth. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know, like what you, what you could expect from them. All right. Uh, it's not like Rob. I mean, it's not Ryan is is playing great. Ryan is, is is you know you're anti Ryan, but Ryan's having a really good year. Yeah, I'm not anti Ryan. He's the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. All right, number ten, Kyle Shanahan. I have him way too high. I'm up at number eight. Uh, he was a great offensive coordinator. What has he actually done as a coach it, so it's far? Possible. It's po- listen. I mean, he, he's had other than Garoppolo for like seven games. He has had you know the yeah. worst quarterback in the NFL. But again, He's but these are his decisions. He took over a team that had Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. These are partially his decisions. I mean, they weren't going to win with Kaepernick as a starter, I don't think. Well, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick, so, you know. Yeah, but but I, I, listen, I mean, bring friggin' back Kaepernick. They should bring him back. Yeah. Uh, he's be- I, Although, uh, Beathard is better than I think people would guess. I don't know. Beathard has looked weirdly. has looked Beathard's very good against like the Packers, and then he's looked yeah, yeah. very very bad in other. I'm, games. I'm saying he'll be a backup in the league for a while. Uh, he's not he's not like starter good, but he's he's com- he's not like Derek yeah. Anderson. He's like Case Keenum, and then he'll accidentally have a good year one year, and then get a big contract, and you know get a starting yeah. job, and then and then be absolutely disastrous. Yeah. I agree. Okay, number nine, the lowest he's ever been on our list by far, but he's getting into his late sixties, and that's what happens. Pete Carroll. Well, I had him higher than nine for sure. You had I him at seven. Really low. Not much higher. I mean, yeah, but this is too much. Like, he, there's too many flaws in that team. Like, they're old in weird places. The receivers aren't great. But but, but sometimes the a coach. Great. They but don't he, have a honestly. Tight, like, yeah. Unless you're Bill Belichick or you know Greg Popovich, like sometimes a coach has been there too long, and I just think that's the case with him. I mean, they've never had a losing record. Uh, you know, since 2011. They're I mean, look, this is what we thought about Sean Payton. And he sort of had eight, a eight. comeback the last couple of years. So maybe they can have another comeback. We'll see. But also, Sean Payton's he's a lot younger. He's never been sure. worse than 7-9 and nine with the Seahawks. Like, uh, you know, and, he, and he hasn't, he's never been worse than 9-7 and seven since they, since they yeah. started. Well, 7-9 and nine is our rankings. You have him at 7, I have him at 9. All right, number 8. Perfect. By far the lowest he's ever been on our list. He's never been outside my bottom 3 until this year. Mike Tomlin. I have Mike Tomlin all the way down to 10. It's just it's year. I understand that in terms of motivating the players and like players respect, he seems to be probably the best coach in the league. Players really mm-hmm. love to play for him. I don't know, but, but it's he's just also been, losing the locker room. I'm not even sure that's true. Well, anymore. well, but well, he. By yeah, the way, never been happened. worse than eight and eight. Never been. But worse year than eight after eight. year His after third year, worst year is nine and seven, which is okay. bananas. But year after year after year, we just see terrible decisions on the field. And look, I still have him at number ten. I still think he's a very good coach. Most teams would be lucky to have him. 
But when you make these bad decisions year after year after year, week after week, like it starts to build up. You can't be considered an elite coach anymore. It's just too big of a flaw. They've quietly only made the AFC title game once in the last seven years, uh, which isn't great. He's only won uh, since since the second Super Bowl, which is his fourth year. He's only won three playoff games, which would be great for anybody else, but is not yeah. great for him in seven seasons. Yeah, uh, I, again, I'm not saying Tomlin's terrible. I have a number ten now but. because they because you know the first Super Bowl of the Steelers was Cower, then Roethlisberger's there, but not the skill position guys. And then you're going to look and say Roethlisberger, Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, now Juju, uh, and like they never even made a Super Bowl. Those guys, as a, as a group, yeah. So, I mean, of the uh, coaches we've mentioned so far, Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin, the last two, they'll both end up in the Hall of Fame. Is that, has anybody else? But been I would g- like you'd give you'd give you know a million dollars to like as a fan to have one of these guys your coach. I, I would love if the Steelers fired Mike Tomlin. I would I would you know uh, pack Mike uh, Todd Bowles' house for him and carry the stuff back to St. Louis or wherever he's. <laughs> Who's playing. the best Jets I, coach in history? I mean, Weeb Eubank for sure. But I mean Parcells well, I, he, really, but Weeb Eubank. Yeah. No, Weeb Eubank's an amazing coach. Like we overrate Namath because of '68, but one yeah. who, who really spearheaded that amazing team, Weeb, and look Weeb. what he did yeah. other places. So, okay. but but I yeah. mean, you know, Parcells, who's the third best coach, is an interesting question because it's like yeah. Eric Mangini, <laughs> Herm Edwards. <laughs> All right, number seven, uh, another veteran who, again, a couple years ago we thought was on the way out and has turned it around a little bit. Sean Payton. I mean, he still doesn't do anything with his defense. Here's the thing. Most of these guys, like everyone from like 22 to like 14 or and certainly the 32 to 30 to 23 are useless. But like all those, they're useless. They don't have a thing like Peyton can, can, you know, like create an amazing offense. And Michael Thomas wasn't supposed to be like the, you know, like the top three or four receiver. Like these guys get better on the Saints. And Yeah, but Sean Payton has also had a top 10 quarterback for his entire career. Of course, of course. And, and I, I don't mean top they, 10 in the league. I mean top 10 in the history of football. 100%. And, I mean, he's first all time in a lot of stats. Like, I, yeah. I don't uh, – listen, I mean, you have to – you can only judge him based on Breeze because that's all he's all he had. But I, players get better in the Saints system. The Saints system is so underrated. All right. Now, we have a very interesting tie at number five. Uh, it's mm-hmm. also interesting because of the one that uh, you ranked higher and the one I ranked higher. We have Mike Zimmer and Doug Peterson tied. I have Peterson higher. You have Zimmer higher. Now, we both have him a spot apart, so it's not a big difference. I mean, you're but giving P- Peterson like a lifetime achievement award for last season, when, which was incredible winning the Super Bowl with your backup uh, quarterback. Well, like- okay. Well, but not only that, he's, again, this year against the Vikings, he was the one who did the thing that is correct, which is go for two in that situation, which we've never really seen anybody else do. Yeah. No, he definitely is a good coach. He knows what to do. I'd be happy to have him as my coach. Is he going to be like a top five coach? Are we going to? Because, listen, guys win the Super Bowl and then get fired. Yeah, I mean, I've been more impressed with I've been more impressed with Zimmer just because of what he's done with so Brian Billick. Like, think after the Ravens win the Super Bowl, we would have ranked him one in our power rankings of coaches. Yeah, dynamite offensive coordinator in Minnesota goes to Baltimore, wins the Super Bowl almost immediately, and then nothing ever again. So I I I need to see a little bit more. I think that you know what do you have from him? You have a, a very very mediocre last place season, then an incredible Super Bowl championship. Well, he had a rookie quarterback that year. Okay. Yeah. All right. So and, I, I just want to remind way, this, everybody. This year might be a wash for Wentz. Like he might not be 100, percent and and he doesn't right. look great. And who knows? Uh, Akiva Akiva just said, and I just want everybody to listen. Doug Peterson, phenomenal coach last year, but I want to see a little more before I anoint him. Okay. Yeah, uh, I just want anoint him. This it's is what year we call three, impeach- and one of those this, years he sucked. That's fine. And now he might this not is, win the worst division this in the is, NFL. This is this is what we call impeaching the witness. I just want that on the record. That's what Akiva said. Okay. I will bring that up right. later. 
All right. Okay. Number four. <laughs> you know what's coming. Yeah. Number four, John Harbaugh. Uh, a little oh, bit of a renaissance for him. I, I mean, I honestly, I've always thought about Har- Harbo Tomlin. Right now, I think if, if you had the, like, you know, the 33rd NFL team, an expansion team, and you had to hire a coach, let's say we win the Mega Millions. By the way, you couldn't even freaking own half a team with the Mega Millions. Do yeah. you play the lottery, by the way? No, of course not. I'm you, not a moron. You don't play the lottery? No, I'm it's a stupid g- tax. Dr. Jen doesn't play the lottery? I could see Dr. Jen playing the no, lottery. Of course not. It's a stupid tax. I think the lottery is immoral, yeah, and the fact that governments uh, have lotteries is deeply unethical, but, you know, it's a tax on stupid mm-hmm. people. Well, listen, I'd say 80% of our listeners bought a freaking me- Mega Millions ticket. So, But our listeners can afford it, and so it's just a lark and it's stupid. I mean, oh I, I read a study once. Do you know what percentage <laughs> yeah. of annual income? So why don't you income? go out and give out lottery tickets to poor people? That's the average saying. person in America, the average person in America who makes less than $10,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And this study is, is from like 2014. The average person so, doesn't make less than $10,000 No, I said the average. I said. Oh, the, a person who uh, makes less than $10,000. Of, of a person who makes $10,000 a year. And again, this number's from okay. 2014, so it might be slightly this different now. a sociologist over here. Yeah. Guess what percentage of their annual income they spend on lottery tickets? I don't even want to know. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to know. It shouldn't be a percentage. And the answer is 10%. Because Listen. the government tells people your only chance is to buy these tickets when literally you have a better chance of getting you know hit by lightning while having sex with Giselle Bunchen. And it's just, it's, you know. Oh, if, I, I, you almost hope that happens to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you have if you have money and you want to buy a ticket to be, you know, whatever, it's like getting a drink, who cares? But like, but for people who buy a lot of tickets with the hope or expectation of winning, which is, you know, unfortunately. What would you, that, what would you do with, a, what would you do with $500 million? Like post-tax the, $500 million? The point I'm making is there's poor people who every single week go and buy tons of lottery tickets because they think that's the only chance they have. I mean, there's and also part, a lot of middle class people do it too. Well, then they're also stupid, but at least they can afford it. So, all right. Uh, I'm not buying You're, a lot of tickets. What would you do with five hundred million dollars if you won? With five hundred million dollars? Yeah. How would it affect um, my life? If would you would I get any money if you How would it affect your life? Dollars? Well, I think I, I would well, this is the thing. With five hundred million you can buy a minority interest in a team, but not enough to uh-huh. have any kind of control. Sure. So you get a suite for sure. Yeah. I mean maybe like I could put nice together Well, I don't know if you well, you know, if I have five hundred million and I can you know, if if a lot of that's liquid and I can put, you know, half of it down, maybe I can put together a team, maybe I can become the yeah, anyway. I mean it's gonna be two fifty immediately. You know you know who's at the door right away. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jed's waiting for that. All right. Uh number two, we have a tie. And I'm going to go off on you. So one of the guys we have at number two is Andy Reid, which, again, shows how hard it is to be an NFL head coach because this is a guy who cannot manage the two-minute drill, cannot manage the clock at all, but yet is so good at everything else that, you know, we have him at the very top of our rankings. It must be said their talent right now is ludicrous. Like Hunt, Hill, Watkins, uh, Kelsey. But he deserves credit for that. Watkins has been a failure in multiple places, including with your beloved Sean McVay. In hindsight, it's possible that he, like, elevated Alex Smith to be amazing when Alex Smith actually blows. Yes, that's not any hindsight. That's pretty clear. All right, uh, let's talk about the other guy you have here. So if we can go back to what you said a few minutes ago about Doug Peterson. You said he did a great job last year. He just won the Super Bowl. Let's see a little bit more before I anoint you. On your rankings, you had Sean McVay number one ahead of everybody, including Bill Belichick. Can I ask you something? Yeah, because he's the best coach. Can you win one playoff game, just one? Can you win one playoff game before you go to number one? I mean, on the he list? didn't have a team worthy of winning a playoff game. He's he's basically never lost in his career. Peterson, he was home. Wait, he was a favorite. Hold on. he was a favorite and had a home game in the playoffs last year and lost. Can I tell you what's what's consistent with with the absolute elite coaches that we've discussed? That's Carroll, Tomlin, Harbaugh, Belichick. They never. I mean, Belichick lost a little bit in his career. These guys never lose. And also Andy Reid, who went five and eleven as a rookie, and then this century of which he's been a coach every single year. 
uh, in, in, you know, in, this is year 19 of, of, of the century. He went 6-10 and 10 once and 4-12 and 12 once. 4-12 and 12 he got fired. Other than that, he's been over – he had 1-8-8, eight and, eight and he's been over 500, you know, what's that, 15 years. And it was about, about to become 16 in a couple of weeks. Uh, Listen, Sean McVay hasn't lost yet. I, I, let, let Sean McVay I, lose once. I love Sean McVay. I have him number five. Yeah. Projecting out, maybe he'll end up there. But putting him number one is like putting Pat Mahomes number one on a quarterback ranking. If you had to, if you had to start a franchise today, are you hiring McVay or Belichick? Well, I pick McVay because he's thirty-seven and Belichick is one like sixty-seven. Season. One season, the NFL is collapsing because it turns out Merrill Hodges' book was wrong, and there is CTA, and there's yeah. a lawsuit, and we lose, and we get one more year. What do you I think, think Belichick's brilliance is probably more over the long term, like how he repeatedly trades draft trades to get draft picks and things like that. Mm-hmm. In one game, I honestly don't know what I would do. In one game, I might also, take Doug Peterson. Belichick as a GM versus Belichick. Yeah, honestly, if I take one not. game, and I, mean, I might be Doug Peterson or Mike Zimmer in terms of in-game management, because Andy mm-hmm. Reid, you know, because those those guys don't have obvious flaws in game, and neither does McVay that I've noticed. But again, let's win a playoff game, right? Yeah, let's get let's get to twenty career vi- uh, uh, he's victories. He's going to win a lot of playoff games this year. Well, only three because he's going to have a bye, but then he'll okay. win three of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, number one, the goat, Bill Belichick. Obviously, uh, you have him number two on your list, which is just ridiculous. But whatever. I mean, listen, McVeigh got to the top without cheating. You can't say that about Bill Belichick. That's true. That's absolutely correct. That's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we talk about our our picks a little bit? Uh, very quick picks because uh, we've been hemming and hawing. Yeah. Well, last week back. the Vikings and the Jets played each other for the first time in four years. <laughs> we didn't way, even discuss news. football. Kyle Snyder lost to Abdul Sayed. Just uh, America's in the toilet. Okay. All right. Uh, last still president. Last week Snyder we only won. disagreed on one game. You picked Cleveland. I picked Tampa. Uh, so I won again. Uh, so yeah, you've been struggling picking your winners and losers. I'm going to make it very simple this week. I am picking the two teams who were in the Super Bowl last year, and I'm picking every other home team including home underdogs in the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. But I'm picking every single home team except for the Eagles and Pats. So tell me where you disagree with me. Okay, so that's good. We don't have to go through every single yeah. game. Every single home team except the Eagles and the Patriots. And the Patriots. Yeah. All right. Patriots at uh, Buffalo, Eagles Miami at Miami at Houston, I'm picking Houston. Philly yeah. at Jacksonville, that's not a home game. I'm picking uh, – that's in London, I'm picking Philly. Seattle and Detroit, I'm picking Detroit. Tampa Bay at Cincy, I'm picking Cincy. Washington at the Giants, I'm picking Washington. Okay. So I'm just disagreeing with you there. Jets are seven and a half point underdogs now. It's a little too high. I would definitely take the points, but I'm taking the Bears. Baltimore and Carolina. Baltimore is the favorite. Oh, they are? Um, yeah. Baltimore Carolina was. Like, when the spread came out, I, it was Carolina. Here I see one and a half, but I, that's our CBS side. I don't know where they're okay, getting Who are you picking? From. Baltimore. Baltimore is good. You know, we haven't talked. Maybe next week we'll do the, the team powerings. This is after week eight, but yeah. Baltimore is pretty good. Cleveland yeah. at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, obviously, Denver, KC, KC, Indy at Oakland. Indy looked much better last week. I think Indy in a close one. Rams over the Packers. I think the Cardinals against the Niners, but obviously those teams are abysmal. Uh, Minnesota, that's going to be a really good game. Minnesota-New Orleans is an awesome Sunday night game. Yeah, good job flexing that. Obviously the Patriots uh, uh, over the, the Bills. Right, that was so, not flexed. You keep saying it was flexed. People say it was not flexed. New Orleans and Minnesota was at 1 p.m. But, I, I mean, I have a printed Vikings like schedule from the beginning of the year. The Vikings were playing New Orleans at 1 p.m. Yeah, but maybe that's 1 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you said it last time, people said incorrect. People said you were wrong. Stop giving wrong information. I just Googled, just Googled Saints, Vikings, flexed, nothing. Nothing is showing up. So I believe you are incorrect. 
The Viking Saints game was at 1 p.m. That I know. I don't know what was at 8 p.m. Hold flexed on. flexed out? The freaking what? Niners Cardinals was supposed to be on Sunday night? We're waiting all week for Niners Cardinals? No way. I have, I have no idea. Let's try. It, you're definitely out. wrong because I've Googled like four different things already and, and nothing's come up, which means it's not true. Can we find a, a press release where they announced the Sunday Night Football games in like April? Sure. Sunday, I mean, this is there's not even any drama because you're obviously wrong because it would have immediately popped up. 20 articles about it. Um, but yes. All right. Chester? Yeah. Some, somebody Chester? find me like the press release where they announced the Sunday Night game. Oh, listen, I, I know you're wrong. Well then, then my, you know, I'm trying to find this. I can't find it. Um, we'll get. To Someone the told me a, a song they used to sing about you in high school. Can I sing it or no? Yeah, you can sing it. But I, I mean, it, we'll have it, to. It, I think we'll have to edit it out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll change. I'll change one word. <laughs> it was uh, Chester. Is there yeah. a second verse? No, but yeah. So the way I that think, was changed uh, for the yeah. yearbook was Chester the protester. <laughs> okay, fine. We no. So yes, I changed the word that was in there to molester. Yeah. No, no, I no, I changed the word to. <laughs> there were worse um, words. Yeah, the, and every every single person in my, in my um, we had a uh, that I probably have to edit out, right? Yeah, the the Rossman one was great. It was a uh, Rossman's a cheap. <laughs> I think you have to take that one out, too. That derived from the fact that uh, our history teacher, Dr. Khan, said to Rossman, you really are the Antichrist. (laughs) All right. Yeah, no, it is crazy how, like, I was, when when the Kavanaugh stuff happened, like, how many things I would get. I didn't do anything bad in high school, but, like, anything from the yearbook, could imagine, like, a bunch of senators yelling at me, like, uh, there's a couple stories in there that it it would have been. uh, This this I'm obviously going to have to edit out, but. So all the songs had a theme, as you can tell. Now, yeah. now this podcast has become actionable, and you're gonna have to edit this entire thing. <laughs> it was, it was a different era. It was a different. We era. should have just yeah, let's just end on my song and just cut, cut the, cut the music. Yeah. Oh, this all has to be edited out, obviously. Just yeah. Cut everything and leave it out. Yeah. The end of my song is beautiful. Yeah. All right, Kiva. I will talk to you next week. Bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.